0: I cannot hold other people to the revelation that God chose to give me. So sometimes we get these like pieces of revelation from Jesus and then we expect everyone else to be on the same page, but like I wasn't on the same page until he encountered me that day and said, "I brought you here how to teach, you know, to teach you how to love your neighbor as yourself."
1: Welcome to the Prophetic Justice podcast where we talk with people who love God and work across a variety of social justice professions. I'm Tatiana Burgum and I'm on a mission to learn from my fellow peers in the field about how God speaks to them and the impact it has on their work. Let's take a look at social justice work through a supernatural lens. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I am excited um, because we are talking with Savannah Martin. Savannah is a, a wife and an executive director at Bella Vita Network, a pregnancy center in Toledo, Ohio. She is a national speaker with a deep heart for mothers and children. So thank you so much for joining us, Savannah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here. We've been talking about this for a little while and I just woke up this morning feeling
0: so giddy to be able to uh, chat with you. So thanks for having me. Yes.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you. And I guess let's give our listeners a little bit of a background of how we kind of know each other. We have met once in person. Yeah. And it was such (laughs) a like
0: crazy like, I don't know about you, but like multiple times and, you know, we'll share obviously some details, like multiple times I like looked around and I was like, why am I here? Like, how did I get here? Oh
1: my gosh. I'm so <laughs> glad I'm not alone in that. Cause it was a very same feeling of like how, what, how did, what, what happened in my life that I yeah, ended up absolutely. in a good way here? Yeah. So we so. have a
0: mutual friend, Destiny, who the queen, she runs, um, new wave feminism, which, is you know you know really toting the holistic care for mothers and children, um, and you know rocking the message that it's actually deeply feminist um, to care for not only our children um, but the children in our community and yeah. So she has this fun retreat called Femin where she gathers you know. Mainly women, shout out to you, our friend Patrick, yes. who was holding down the floor as like the singular <laughs> male in the room. Takes a oh, lot gosh, of energy Patrick. to be the only male. So shout yes, out to no. Patrick. Um, but you know, the common the common thread for all of the women that were in that room is that we're passionate about mothers and children um in our community, you know, both in and outside of the womb. And so it was all these women from all walks of life. Um, and that are, you know, tackling um, the issue of life and, you know, creating communities where abortion is no longer necessary from different political views, from different spheres of influence, people that are using the arts. Um, It was such a cool, cool, it was such a cool, honestly, I remember coming home um, and talking to um, my friend Jess Ford and just saying, Jess, like, it felt like heaven. Like there were moments where we felt like we touched heaven, you know, during that weekend.
1: It really was. It really was. And I'm still processing it because it was such a God experience with just these women. And I keep telling people, I'm like, there was no ego. That's, I mean, how often can you get just such boss powerhouse females in a space and be able to like just have it be peer versus people coming in with their own agenda Wild. or their own. It was just really beautiful. It was yeah, beautiful.
0: And so much honor and respect. You know, there also was every opportunity for people to choose to focus on the things that maybe we didn't agree with, you know, each other on, um, but that never happened. You know, there was so much honor and respect for each other and the work, Um, you know, that each other is doing and the person, you know, I feel like we showed up in we, we loved each other first, um, and then honored the work that, you know, each other
1: was doing. And so yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful couple days. It was. And then I remember when we all did our introductions, you stuck out to me because you were, I think, the first one to really share about your mm-hmm. faith and how that really played into what you did and how you talked about just life with God. And I, I, I remember, we don't talk about that a whole lot when we talk about the pro-life movement, at least in these settings, because what I find is that we get so nervous to, to sometimes speak out on the issue of life and our stance on it, that then we, to bring in God to the mix, is like a, a double taboo. So you sometimes it feels like you just have to pick yeah, one, for sure <laughs> one heart issue and stick with that. And you were the first one in the group to really bring that into the space, and I just love that. And so that was my first like: this woman knows God and is not mm-hmm. afraid to talk about it. And it was yeah, really I
0: I resonate so much, you know, with the passage in scripture that you know Jesus has this conversation with his disciples, and he's like, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, which sounds so gnarly. And it's so scary. Like they didn't understand. And he was talking about, obviously the Holy Sacrament of communion, a ton of people left, like a lot of people left. Um, And when uh, a handful of the disciples um responded to Jesus, he said, you know, if you need to go, go, I'm summarizing, you know, if you need to go, go, yes. <laughs> you yes. do you. Yes. boo yes. Um, <laughs> But a handful of the disciples responded to Jesus. And they just said like, where else? Like where else are we gonna go? Like where else would I go? And I feel like that is the most like catalytic, you know, sentiment for me scripturally is that like what like how could I not? Like he's done so much for me, he's been so good to me, he's you know, saved me and healed me and loved me and restored me. Like, how could I not? And like where like what else am I gonna do? Like
1: (laughs) exactly. Exactly. What else is there really? No, I love that. I love that. Um so Bella Vita Network, let's start there. Share a little bit about what it is and how long you've been there. I would love to hear more about it because you guys are doing so, amazing things.
0: So uh, we actually just renamed the ministry. Um, it was the Pregnancy Center of Greater Toledo, and we've had a pregnancy center component. Which you know, if there are listeners that are kind of unfamiliar with a pregnancy center, you know, for us, you know, we believe that um, we can create a, a world where abortion is not necessary. And we've seen generations of women who have, you know, stood on that promise that, you know, we don't, we can create societies where both mother and children are valuable, but you know, it's a work that's longer than one lifetime. And so I'm in a great um, legacy and company of women who've gone before me that just believe that our community here, you know, that we can create a world where women don't have to choose between their, their children and their dreams and their future. And, um, in 2017, God did some really incredible things. Um, he really stretched out our vision and, um, we actually launched two new outreaches alongside of our, um, center in 2017. Yeah. And I had just become the executive director in 2016. And so when, you know, they tell you, like all the books would say, like, don't change anything for a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. So don't do that unless, you know, God tells you to. So we actually launched yep. first uh, Soul Purpose. Um, so Soul Purpose is uh, now a national outreach to women on college campuses. We actually partner with uh, pregnancy centers all across the country in establishing Soul Purpose chapters on their local colleges and universities, um, and the mission there is to raise women up in their value, worth and identity in Jesus, um, because so much of what we see is fruit work, which is going after things in our culture, like habits and thought patterns and some of those things are necessary. Um. However, sole purpose, we really saw that there was value in root work, that if these women understood who they were and whose they were, that God loved them infinitely, that they would begin to think and process um, their lives and their decisions based off of that. And we've seen girls that have walked away from like really unhealthy relationships and, you know, pursuing, you know, unhealthy sexuality and drugs. And, you know, I can't tell you how many uh, wedding invitations have hung on my fridges of women who have turned their life to Jesus and have met godly men who love them and are leading them well. And so it's just this like cool transformation. And then the same year, um, we launched the Haven and, you know, talk about just like, God, like intervening and like crashing down on the ministry. We uh, had a phone call from a donor who said, "Hey, I have a building for you, and we want to give it to you." And this was real. It was like within months of becoming the director. I remember hopping in my car that day to drive over and look at the building, um, and I was I was sitting across the street. Like I could just feel just the love of God. Uh, the address over there is Um, 4011. um and Isaiah 4011 says um, that God leads those that are with young, and He holds them close to His chest. And the unique thing about this building is that it's actually right next door to the abortion facility here. Um, they, yeah, we share a driveway with them. It's about probably about four or five arm spans, <laughs> and you could <can>, like, <laughs> like if five people like stood together, you could like touch the buildings. Um, and so. The original offer was that we would open up a satellite pregnancy center location. And so we began to pray about that and God just like totally crashed in. Um, and I remember in a time where we were just praying over that facility, um, I heard the Lord say, you know, I'm just as present at the back door of an abortion facility as I am at the front door. Um, and, you know, what he was saying and kind of what we discerned from that is there was so much effort that was going on in our community to reach women before they made that decision. And yes. And amen. Like we affirm all of that work, but then there was nothing for these women after. Um, And so we went back to the donor and we said, Hey, we love that idea. There were some other things that were kind of uh, going on. There was a mobile ultrasound unit at the time that was parked across the street. We said, look, like this is a duplication of services. Um, What would you think about us opening up, um, and after abortion care, um, location and the donor gave us their, uh, blessing. And so we opened up our, um, after abortion care location, um, right there. And it's called the Haven. Um, it's, it's on North Haven Avenue. And we felt like even that in and of itself was like such a prophetic gesture that like this place is a Haven. There's like this beautiful tree that like covers the whole building, Um, And it really was just like what God was prophetically speaking was like, I want to bring these men and women in uh, and I want to love them and, and give them a safe place for them to understand that I have so much love and so much healing and so much forgiveness in my heart for them. Um, so we set out and the building was in terrible shape. So we had to, (laughs) oh, it was so bad. (laughs) Um, and so we were doing some like just renovations and, you know, bringing it, you know, to a place where we felt like it was excellent and safe and caring. And one day, obviously when you do construction, there's like all of this dust. Um, and I was sweeping and the building is like a kind of an art deco building. It's a duplex. So on the first floor, um, it's got three corners and then The fourth is actually rounded and up and down both have these like super beautiful, like bay windows where the round is, Um, you know, and it's deserving of the most like beautiful view, you know, on a pretty little bench. But here the view is the back door of the abortion facility. Um, And I remember I was sweeping in that room and I heard the Lord. And honestly, I feel like this is the only time that I've heard the audible voice of the Lord Um, And he said, Savannah, I brought you here um, to teach you how to love your neighbor as yourself. And I was like, no, (laughs) no, you didn't. You brought me here to minister to uh, post-abortive individuals. And I heard it again, you know, just so sweet. You know, Savannah, I brought you here to teach you how to love your neighbor as yourself And, you know, we have these moments in our life that like, you know, we can go back and we can trace where like God was actually rewiring, um, you know, our brains. And that was definitely one of those moments where he totally rewired the way that I think about people um, and see people that um, people are not the enemy um, and that, you know, he cares so deeply for those, um, you know, that work in the abortion um, facility and not, you know, you know, in this kind of long game goal of just loving these people really well and stewarding them. And so we actually added a component over at the Haven. So we do grief and loss coaching for post-abortive individuals. We do abortion retreat after abortion care retreats at this beautiful lake home up in Michigan, um, where these, you know, men and women get to get away and, receive God's love and forgiveness for them and name their children and honor that. We have a beautiful memorial that's over at the haven that's this beautiful tree. And um that's based off of the scripture in Revelation that says that the leaves on the tree are for the healing of the nation. Um, and we chose that as a as a prophetic sign that when these men and women name their children and they put that leaf on that tree and they walk in the healing That they have, you know, how many times do we hear that post abortive individuals step into healing because of someone else's testimony? And so when we heal people, they help heal other people. Um, And we believe that the revival of healing um, that God wants to give those that have been ravaged by an abortion decision is through the word of their testimony, you know, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so you know they deserve that place. So there's this beautiful place for them to come and their babies' names are memorialized there. Um and then the last thing is um you know that we uh we do everything um you know Paul says you know do everything in your power to be at peace with all people that I just love on the individuals that work at the abortion facility that has been a slow uh humble humbling journey, you know, and also undoing and giving a lot of grace for, um, where they've been hurt by the church. And, you know, we also now get to see firsthand the things that happen on the sidewalk and don't get me wrong. There are amazing people that are prayerful on the sidewalk. And I think peaceful, prayerful, uh, sidewalk ministry is powerful. Um, however, we've also seen a lot of things that are prayerful and aren't peaceful. And so we understand why, the abortion workers and volunteers feel the way that they do, and um, one of my favorite stories about just the ministry there is the day before, two days before the DAB's decision. So that was on Friday. So on Wednesday, you know, and if you'll remember, we were like waiting, like every day that they were making announcements, we were waiting. Like, what's today going to be the day? And um, we that Wednesday, we had decided that we were going to do a lunch outreach to the abortion, um, facility workers. And I remember we had like on our phones, like all these different like news channels, uh, pulled up and, you know, they were open. We're like waiting with bated breath. Like this is going to be really hard to like feed them lunch. If like Dobbs gets overturned like or Roe gets overturned, like while we're, um, but as, um, fate have it. And we know now that that didn't happen on Wednesday. And so the last interaction that they had with pro-lifers before the row decision was being served lunch. And so it's just really been, you know, it's humbling and um, you know, it's not always understood. We've had a lot of people that um, just out of fear um, and not understanding. um, But I also know this, and this is where I have peace is that I can't, I cannot hold other people to the revelation that God chose to give me. So sometimes we get these like pieces of revelation from Jesus, and then we expect everyone else to be on the same page, but like, I wasn't on the same page until he encountered me that day and said, I brought you here how to teach, you know, to teach you how to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I have to extend grace to people and not hold them to the word that God spoke, you know, to me.
1: Yeah. Wow. I have so much like chills, just complete chills for everything that you said, but I, I'm like trying to gather my thoughts because you you hit so many points. And what amazes me is that I would imagine people are like, y'all are doing too much. Like this is (laughs) not your typical pregnancy center. You are going above and beyond. You are listening and actually being the hands and feet of Jesus in a way that I don't think many other, at least that I have seen, there's not a lot of pregnancy centers that have connected those dots in a way that is actually walking out what God has called us to do. I think it's in people's hearts. Like we know we have to love those who are working in these centers and try to serve them because that's what we're called to do as people, Mm -hmm. no matter what our differences are. But I think you are an example of what is a, a ways to actually do that and play that out. And so I guess my question for you is how has that played out in your life personally, as you mm-hmm. have had to kind of shift a little bit in your business and starting these ventures, what's gone on in your personal life as you've kind of had to, as God has given you these revelations of loving your neighbor and your business, how has that played out Yeah, around that time in your personal
0: Yeah. You know, I think it, it really starts at the beginning for me, you know, and I've had people that have come and they're like, you know, younger people that are, you know, trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And how did you get here? And, you know, I say, look, like the good news is, is that it's day by day obedience to Jesus. And the bad news is, is that it's day by day obedience to Jesus. So that, you know, it's waking up every day and just saying, I want, I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. Um, and I want to do that personally. Um, and I want to lead the ministry, um, in a way that honors and reflects. And, you know, that was all, the whole thing was born out of, uh, relationship, you know, with Jesus. And, um, I used to lead a set at the house of prayer here, um, in Toledo. You know, I remember, I did a Thursday afternoon set from six to eight, and there was hardly anyone ever came Yeah, to this slot. Um, and so I learned how to um, be obedient to Jesus without anybody looking. And I learned how to worship Jesus and commune with him without anybody else looking. Um, and Laura Hackett uh, and Corey Asbury, who were both worship leaders at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, um, probably about a decade ago, which is wild too um, they wrote a song, um, and, um, it's called all is for your glory. And the bridge of that song says, you know, put me anywhere. I just want to see your glory, you know, um, you know, so catch me up in your story, you know, all my life is for your glory, like put me anywhere. Um, you know, I just want to see your glory, you know, and for, weeks on end you know i sat in an empty prayer room and looked at one person and sang one song that i wanted to be caught up in his story and that's where the whole thing you know was born it was in the house of prayer that he started to talk to me about you know the issue of abortion like i'm sure that it had like come up and was like on my radar and you know through college and Um, you know, life was important. Like I remember even the home that I grew up, my parents very much valued, um, the sanctity of life, but it was never like a core issue. Like it was just in and out, you know, out of my, my radar. And he began to show me his heart, you know, for life. And, and it really has just been, and, you know, as I talk with other pregnancy centers and do, you know, trainings and, you know, uh, help with their strategic planning, There are all of these like good ideas. Um, There's so many good ideas. uh, But the thing that I really strive to do here and, you know, to encourage other ministries and other pregnancy centers is, but what is God saying for your community? Like God has a strategy for ending uh, you know, abortion and for bringing forth the like value of life in your community. Um, he knows what the, the women, the mothers and fathers in your community need. Um, and it, it, that it looks so different here because we leaned into going, God, like you have a strategy for how you want to end abortion and make abortion unnecessary in my community and I want to partner with you and seeing that come about and so I think as leaders like we have to spiritually live you know five years in the future with God in his heart like he, he doesn't have a timeline and so taking that time to um commune with him and to hear his thoughts you know and his, you know, his vision. And thankfully, you know, we've just been really blessed um, to have a community that has just continued to say like, yes. And amen, you know, as we have stewarded the vision that we believe that God has given us um, here. And, you know, there's times when I hear things that like, Oh man, that's such a cool strategy. Like, I would love to do that here. And the Lord's like, that's not like, I don't have that for you, you know? And so I think that's where we saw like, the fire really kick up was just when we leaned in and go like, there's lots of good ideas and there's lots of amazing strategies and initiatives. I mean, sometimes it can be really dizzying, um, but really leaning into like, God, you know exactly what our community needs and we're trusting you uh, for that. So.
1: Yeah. And that really plays into, I think, especially in, in the day that we're in and women as successful as we are, There's this idea that it's, we're out, you know, that we have to like climb this ladder. We're out to get ours. Like if you are at the top or a a leader in some way, that means that someone else, you knock someone else off the ladder, so to speak. And I think what you're saying and what is true, I think, and especially for the group of women that we met with at this feminist gathering was that it's actually the opposite we have to let people in and god like you said god gives us each thing specific to our communities specific to the people he's called us to and there so that means there's room at the table for everyone and i think especially in the pro-life realm there's this fear of like letting people know your strategy or the sphere of like some it's something being taken from you sometimes. And I, I think that's just like an old school way of thinking too, but it's like, well, this group does that, this center does that. And so I'm not going to do that thing then. Like it can be really just sil- siloed and people like you and Bella Vita. And um, I think there's a lot of amazing pregnancy centers who are not just a pregnancy center they're like healing their community. Like that's what I hear you talking about is like healing and like you called it root root work. And I've never heard it called that. I love that term root work is just getting to the root of it. And yeah. there is always a root and it looks different for every area because we know that there's like different entities and different demonic activity in every area. It looks different. And so what is the root of it for your area? I was wondering if you could just speak a little bit to because I would imagine with this work that you're doing, there's some spiritual warfare that maybe you've come up against and you're smiling right now because you're like, <laughs> no, oh, no, not no. <laughs> Um, But I think that's another thing that leaders in the pro-life. Realm aren't prepared for is the that Satan will come up against you because this is a huge issue. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, we probably in two thousand in eighteen or nineteen we added to our um we added to our interview questions specific specifically questions around their understanding of spiritual warfare. And then, how they combat spiritual warfare, um, we asked them about intercession. Um, so what does intercession mean to you? Um, and we asked them about discernment. And so, for some reason, like I it you know, and because we are a ministry, um and you know, our status with the government as a religious organization gives us a lot of flexibility. But for whatever reason, I believed, for the first couple of years of my leadership, that those were things that we couldn't lean into, and we were seeing, you know, people's lives being really affected and impacted because they did not they did not come in understanding. Um, and I realized that that's my responsibility as a leader is to make sure that people are prepared. And you know, one of the other things that we have on our job description. So the first point on every single person's job description is spiritual formation. And so we don't separate out your spirit, you know, your spiritual life and your work here. Like you can only do your work here because of a vibrant uh, spiritual life. And so, um, you know, our, you know, The women who work here understand that at any moment, like your supervisor can ask you about your your spiritual formation Um, and you're expected to be able to talk about how you are cultivating spiritual formation, you know, in your life. And we don't dictate what that looks like. It's not this like religious thing, like, but as long as you can answer that, um, you know, we want to make sure that people are doing that. Um, In my own life, I always joke when people are like, what is spiritual warfare look like in your life so there's a scene in lord of the rings where um uh oh gosh who's the like like creepy looking creature Why can't I can't even give his name with the ring Gollum, I know who Gollum. About- so Gollum, okay. Gollum is like talking to uh frodo and sam and he's like me hates it. <laughs> and I feel like that's like the, like the devil is literally like in the corner of my life. going like, I hate her and like recognizing like the devil, like the devil hate, like he hates yes. me. And yes, you know, yes. I like for me, like I get to get up and I'm like, well, I hate you too. And today's like, shout out to you. Like t- 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 today is dedicated to you. Um, And recognizing like, so there's a scripture and I think that it's in uh, one of the Timothys and it talks about like, at the end of the age, we're going to look at the tormentor of our soul. And we're going to say like that, that is what had so much power over me. Like he is so small and he is so defeated and you know, half of spiritual warfare is us just not engaging with the enemy. He is a liar and there's nothing good in him. And the best way that I can engage in spiritual warfare is by recognizing who he is, that he hates me, that his, he's a liar and then choosing to ignore anything that he says about me. Like nothing that he says about me is right and true or good. And, you know, there's also a practical element to spiritual warfare that nobody wants to talk about. Like if you're not sleeping well, and you're not eating right, and if you're not exercising and drinking water and protecting your mental health, like that you actually become like your your body is your first defense against spiritual warfare. And so when our bodies are worn down, because as women, we carry so much. And so when our bodies are worn down, like we can recognize like we're more susceptible to falling into believing the enemy and and actually coming into agreement with what he's trying to do in our life. And so, you know, drink your water, go outside, take a walk, eat, right? Like that's actually just as spiritual as
1: prayer and fasting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you started to notice some of these things play out like this, the warfare piece, especially, did that bleed over into your personal life at any point? And yeah. I, Absolutely. Yeah. In two thousand and six, fifteen. Okay. 15. So that would have been the year before
0: I became the director. Like I, like I almost died. I was in the hospital. I'd have emergency surgery and like he's defeated, but he's also like, he's, he's, his number one objective is to kill, steal and destroy you to kill you, to destroy (laughs) you and to steal from you. Like, that's the only thing. And he doesn't sleep and he has a legion. And so it's not that we don't acknowledge that those things are right, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it has. And um, I have a team of women who, you know, pray for me. They pray for my marriage. And, um, you know, I've also just said, like, I'm not, I'm not, nothing in my life has to be sacrificed to do the call That God has called me to my marriage does not have to sacrifice my mental health doesn't. And so I do a lot of declarations like my marriage is not sacrificed because of the work that you've called me to like my desire to have children and my future family is not sacrificed because of the work that you've called me to my peace, my mental sanity, because I'm also in a role where like no one has left the role that I'm in, in an honoring or, healthy or pleasing way. Like there's been sickness, there's been failed marriages, there's been, um, you know, compromise in ministry. And so when I took this role, like, I mean, I went and I had people pray for me. I went through deliverance and I'm like, I am a change agent. Like that stops here. The women who will take this role after me will leave in victory and in confidence and in health, they will complete the work, you know, that God's called them to do. And we have the power to declare over our lives, over our staff, over our families, over our ministries. And it should be part of a responsibility of a leader to be declaring those things in partnership with the Lord over the ministry.
1: Yes. Well, and as a leader, you're a gatekeeper. Yes. You are the keeper of your ministry and everyone under you and under in doing the work. So as a gatekeeper, it is your job to be making sure what comes in is what you want in and what needs to leave is what god has told you needs to leave and so can you speak a little bit to the deliverance piece of it cuz i don't think we talk <laughs> enough about deliverance yeah and i would love to hear yeah. um, um, if you're willing to yeah share. happy
0: to so there's a greek word uh, sozo and it's actually the greek word uh for salvation in the new testament and that word means, that word sozo means um, saved, healed, and delivered. Yeah. And so when we look at what Jesus did on the cross, I believe that the salvation, uh, you know, was the restoration of right relationship um, with God, like it was in the garden. And in that, that there is you know, the, the salvation from the punishment that we deserve. That's the salvation piece that because of our sin, we deserve the full weight of justice Um, and God in his mercy sent his son died on the cross and rose three days later to pay the price so that we don't have to do that. And so when we accept Jesus and what he did for us um, and we make him the Lord of our life, we know that we won't have to pay the full weight that we deserve to pay. So that's saved, healed. You know, it says in Isaiah that by his stripes were healed. And so we believe that part of what Jesus paid for was the healing of our bodies and our minds um, that he desires total healing. You know, do I understand that fully? No. Do I have to? No. He's the Lord. And he, you know, we have to you know, speaking of deliverance, like we have to be delivered of our need to know, (laughs) like, you know, there are just some things that we're not going to know on this side of heaven, but that doesn't mean that the Bible isn't true. Like I don't fit the Bible to my understanding. I fit my understanding to the Bible. And so, um, I believe that Jesus's will and desire is to heal everybody and the good news is is that we can contend for that now and ultimately like we're going to receive full healing you know on the other side and so why not believe for that now and know that ultimately we will get that um and then so heal uh saved healed and delivered when we just talked about the enemy um and you know the bible talks that when he it says that Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning and it says that he took a legion with him um and You know, the Bible talks about that he roams the earth looking for those that he might devour um, and that there's so much biblical context to demonic oppression. Um, You know, we as believers, like we can open ourselves up to demonic oppression that, um, you know, because of the things that we watch, the things that we Um, listen to the Bible says in uh, Proverbs that our eyes and ears are gates to the soul. Um, And so the things that we see with our eyes and the things that we see with our ears, witchcraft is super real (laughs) and word cursing, like, listen, like witchcraft can actually come from inside of the church. Like people can be operating in manipulation and cursing. And so um, deliverance is really just allowing ourselves and it's not this like weird thing like it's so normal and it's so beautiful in the presence of God to allow ourselves to go through a process where he cleans us off and we see even where we've come into agreement with the thought patterns of this world I mean thought patterns of this world are not like the ideas of people like that phrase the thought patterns of this world you know he is the prince of this world. Satan is called the prince of this world. So the thought patterns of this world are actually things that we've come into agreement with that are actually Satan, the devil's thought processes and not God. And I was just reading this morning that perhaps our greatest enemies aren't people, but thoughts and habits that have been sowed for a long time. And so we can actually unknowingly come into agreement with thought patterns and, you know, strongholds, mental strongholds that are actually demonic and going through deliverance is us choosing to go into a process where we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the Lord and asking him to break those things off and to close any areas of our hearts where we've allowed, you know, those things to come in. And, you know, the, Romans talks about being transformed, you know, in the renewing of our mind. And so it's breaking those things off and then coming into agreement with Christ's mind in our lives.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. That's such a, you just like educated us there. Thank yeah. you for that. I think that's amazing. And so do you find that you need to, do you do deliverance or so, so like once a year, do you have like a, I do, like I actually, um,
0: I, so I have a rhythm of a uh, weekly Sabbath. So I take a 24 hour Sabbath, which is absolutely biblical. And I would encourage every single leader to to do that. And it is from 3 p.m. on Friday to 3 p.m. on Saturday. I disconnect from all forms of work and that includes like homework. Um, so not like <sighs> school homework, yes. but like I don't clean my house. Yes. I don't do laundry. Yes. I don't pay yep. bills. I don't like... I rest and I take delight in the Lord and in my relationships and in the Lord, you know, delighting in me. Um, And I actually start that process. I have about a 20 minute process that I go through where I reflect back on my week and, you know, God and I delight over the good things that have happened. We work through some of the areas in the week where, oh, like I probably could have learned from this or I allowed this thing to take my time and, you know, work through, you know, repentance and how do I want to move forward? Um, And then I plan out my Sabbath according to what kind of rest I feel like I need. Do I need physical rest? Do I need sensory rest? Do I need social rest? Do I need spiritual rest? And then the last thing that I ask is, Lord, is there anything that I need to be delivered from? So I think that we can kickstart by actually going to a ministry that does deliverance. I think that's really important, but we actually have the ability to, you know, walk through deliverance with the Lord and ourselves. And so if I feel like I'm really coming up against something, um, you know, there have been seasons in my life where I have gone into a ministry that does that and um, have allowed other people to minister and kind of facilitate walking me through that process. But now I think I don't have to do that, um, you know, quarterly or yearly because I have a, you know, habitual process of doing that with the Lord.
1: That's amazing. And what I, I think for leaders, especially, I have never heard anyone who has like a practice like that of just weekly self-deliverance essentially,
0: Yeah, I remember
1: the Lord, like this is probably like three or four years ago, we
0: had a backup in our dishwasher dishwasher, and we didn't know it. And then like one day I opened the dishwasher and it was like so rank because this water had just been like sitting in the floor of um, the dishwasher. And yeah, and the Lord was like, so, you know, that's what happens when you let this stuff just like sit in your heart. Like what you're allowing to come off of you is rank and it smells bad and it's not good for anybody. <laughs> like, and so I feel like that kind of helped me understand that like if I'm just letting unforgiveness or bitterness or hurt, resentment, you know, undealt with sin, um, curse, you know, curses, word curses sit in my heart. Like it's like nasty rank, weak old yep. dishwater.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that enough. I I really. As you've talked, I just love the way that God talks to you. It's, it's like, so it's <laughs> like, so. Moments where you're, I mean, the first of all, the fact that you're able to hear God in that moment is amazing because how many of us are in these moments just frustrated out of our minds. But you really like, God hones in on something and just catches you in a moment of just your willingness to listen to Him. And I think that's really, beautiful. yeah. Well, He speaks our um, language.
0: Like, that's the thing. I think sometimes does. people are like, you know, even when we talk about like, even the idea of the prophetic um, and as I even, you know, begin to like walk in the prophetic in my own life. And as a part of my ministry, I think it takes us getting over, like, it's not some ivory tower gifting. Like the prophetic is all about God releasing his thoughts over people. And so when God speaks to me that way, it's because he speaks my language. Like he knows that I'm in this situation and he wants to, to speak to me. And I've even seen that. I mean, I have some hilarious stories about, you know, feeling like I've had words for other people and being like, this is so off and so terrible. And like this person is going to be so offended. And it being like this really like miraculous thing, because God was speaking their language. He wasn't speaking my language, but I've been in moments where I'm like giving like prophetic encouragement to someone. And I'm like, this person is literally going to like,
1: like I cannot say this. Yeah!
0: Yes. Yes. that. It's those yes. moments. Like I've seen like breakthrough in really beautiful and powerful ways. Cause again, like he's not speaking my language. He's speaking 100%. their language.
1: A hundred percent. That reminds me, I had totally forgot, but that when I met you first I the second you start talking I heard God say B'nai Brown mm. and I was like oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know like who that lady I don't know who she I mean you know I don't follow her I don't really know much about her but also like I'm not just gonna tell like that this person I've never met before like Like, what no and it was like it was, I think the last day when I, God finally just said, you need to tell yeah. her. What? And remember how, how like,
0: much of a blessing that was. Cause it was
1: yes, totally. reminding
0: me of a promise that God had like, yeah, spoken to me. It was such a blessing. I was so grateful that you were obedient. I was, um, doing ministry in our downtown once. And I was actually like, I had two other people with me that were kind of doing this kind of ministry for the first time, and I'm not going to remember who it is now. Oh, Robbie Dawkins. So Robbie Dawkins, um, who is really, really well known kind of in the vineyard space, um, he had this kind of like whole season where like he was asking the Lord for prophetic words uh, based off of people's tattoos, which as someone who has tattoos, I was like, gosh, that's so cool. And tattoos are so deeply important to people. And I'm like, man, I want to, I want to walk in that. And we were downtown and I saw like half of this guy's tattoo. And I was like, pretty sure that it was like a knight, like a knight in shining armor. So I was like, God, I would love to give him a word about this. And I got this like whole word and um, my friend is praying and he finishes. And then I'm like, Hey man, can you like roll up your sleeve? I'd love to see your tattoo. I kid you not. It was a wolf in a top hat. And I was like, what do I do with this? (laughs) Like, what do I do with this? And I felt like the Lord was just like, share, share my heart with him. And so I gave him this word about the night and like, your father wants to like knight you and you're your father's son. Well, lo and behold, this guy had literally just gotten off a bus from like somewhere on the West coast because he was searching for his earthly dad. He had lost contact and like, he literally was on this journey to like discover his dad. And like, God actually like brought him to Toledo to let him know that he sees him and That it's not even just about getting connected with his earthly dad, but his heavenly father loves him and affirms him. And I'm like, all right, God, like clearly this stuff does not make any sense to me, but
1: (laughs) it blesses. That is hilarious. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. Kind of in that same vein, is there anything right now that you feel God is really speaking to you about in this season, professionally, personally? There's a lot going on in. I guess you would call it the movement, but there's a lot of shifting that's happening that you can feel spiritually. I think all of us can feel kind of this shift of life, I guess you could call it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think as it relates to um, the ministry, I think it's like right now is all about like laying hold of the promises of God, like the kingdom of heaven suffers violence in the violent take it by force. Like God is looking for people that will lay a hold of his promises. You know, I believe that the change that we desire to see, you know, in our communities, um, is going to be poured out through those who are like wild enough to take him at his word and to lay a hold of his promises. And then I think personally um and i shared this on my um, social media yesterday he's reminding me that like i believe that jesus wants to give um answers like if we, if we're searching for answers like he is the answer giver and he is giving healing and he is giving peace and he is giving um you know uh healing um however like as we believe and press in for those things. The reality is, is that he also is those things. He's not just the giver of answers. He is the answer. You know, he's not just the giver of peace. He is peace. And you know, Paul says, i have learned to be content in all things. i have learned to be content in all seasons. And I believe that Paul had tapped into a secret that David understood. And David writes about in the Psalms that he doesn't just seek the hand of God but the face of God. And I think that Paul understood that we we never seek his hand without seeking his face. And so yes, believe in the promise but also lean in and find contentment with the one who gives promises yes. that I want to seek his hand and his face.
1: Yes, that's so so good. Oh my goodness. I'm going to go back. I was listening to the Psalms yesterday on repeat and There's so much there that you said that David really tapped into and it was like threefold. Mm -hmm. It was like the, the word of God, the hand of God and the face Mm -hmm. of God that he really sought. And so that's so poignant to what you're saying is that we can, and I think different seasons brings different, like some seasons I find myself seeking the face of God and some seasons I find myself seeking the word of God. And so that just goes into, to what God is showing you right now as well. Do you, um, as you are really looking at, I guess, specifically in your area for what you do, do you see an overlap coming? Because I sense it where there's just a, a need for like this deeper, I guess, deliverance, specific healing for people who are coming into your clinic or for people who are walking in and out of the clinic next, next to yours. Like I'm trying to figure out, I think on my end, is this a new thing that I'm noticing? Is it like a seasonal thing that I'm noticing? Or is it just that I'm hearing about the need for deliverance more for people who have experienced sexual violence, you know, or have gotten abortions, things like that. Yeah. I
0: think, you know, I think it's both. And I think, You know, it does say in Joel that in you know, in in those days I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. And so I don't remember where it's at, but the scripture that talks about I think it's in Psalms when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard. So the American translation, our punctuation is wrong in that scripture. It's actually when the enemy comes in, comma like a flood, God raises a standard. And so I think what we're actually seeing is that like, there's very much like a infiltration, um, you know, Satan is like, he's unleashed <laughs> all of his, you know, all of his fury, all of his, like, there's so much going on, you know, that is of his working. However, like at the same time, like in that, like God is like a flood setting a standard and. You know, I think for those who hear his voice and are seeking his face and are walking in humility and integrity, you know, I love this psalm that says, because of my integrity, you've set me in your presence forever. Like, I also think there's a marking of people who are walking in integrity and those who aren't, um, because the Bible says that the Lord will not share his glory with another. Like, I think we're also just seeing a lot of like shifting, um, of people who the Lord goes, no, like. I'm not going to put my glory on you because I'm not going to share my space. You know, I'm not going to share myself, you know, um, you know, in my glory with one that can't hold it. Um, but for those who are, have their air inclined and are walking in humility and walking in honor and walking in um, integrity, I believe that he is doing a new thing. Um, and, you know, the light shines brightest in the darkness. And I think that people are aware that they need. And so I think that's part of the shift is like, people are aware that they need, um, like, the last couple of years, like people have been brought to their knees and they're recognizing the like futile of life and, um, you know, the things that are, are, are resources, like everything is so futile. And I think that people now are more open to that kind of ministry. And I mean, even here, like we have people, like we don't start doing things unless our clients ask for them. Um, cause we're not here to serve this community, we're here to walk alongside of them. That so there's a difference between thinking that you know what a community needs and knowing what a community needs, and the community knows what they need. And so for the longest time, we actually weren't offering um any sort of like Bible study inside of the four walls of our pregnancy center. But our clients are like begging us to like offer like Bible studies. And so we're looking at beginning to teach them. So people are hungry, they're hungry for God, they're recognizing that they don't have those keys to fulfillment and hope inside of them. And they're
1: seeing it when they walk through our doors because we're living it out. Um, and they're hungry yes, for it. They are. Oh, that's fantastic. I am curious. Cause I just felt a nudge from God as you were talking, what would you say to the leader of a pregnancy center anywhere across the country that's listening that wants to get to the point that you're at, but has such fear mm-hmm of stepping into that for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, I think it's
0: acknowledging like, where is that fear coming from? Um, And knowing like God chose you for this season, like he could have chosen anybody, but he chose you. And it doesn't matter. I think we talk ourselves out of that, of like the divinity of like his positioning of us. So it may have come through a weird circumstance like mine did. I'm only here because our director before me, like up and quit, like literally walked out because like her life was in ruins. And, but the reality is, is that God orchestrated those things in a way that, yes, I don't understand, but I believe that he orchestrated those and he put me here, you know, for this time and, you know you don't, you're not the one that's doing it. You're the steward. And so you don't have to live in fear because you're not the responsibility. You're not, you're not responsible for providing you're responsible for stewarding. And so if God's calling you to do something, he's going to provide, he's going to give the resources. I'm trying to raise like millions of dollars right now. We are a a $700,000 organization. I'm trying to raise millions of dollars for a new project that like We're so excited about and believe that the Lord is breathing on. And that was terrifying. Like we don't, we don't deal in the millions, but we felt like God was doing it. And I'm telling you the first person that we sat down and asked, we thought that they were going to give us like a couple hundred thousand. This person was like, I'm going to give you a million dollars.
1: Wow. Like, that we is are not the
0: provider. We I don't make that. it happen. The Lord says in Proverbs that he orchestrates our steps. Like if he's called you to it, he's going to orchestrate your steps. So you only have to take responsibility for stewarding the people, places, and resources that he puts you in. And so, yeah, like, and so throw, throw off fear, like fear, um, he didn't give you a spirit of fear. Like that's not from the Lord. This is where we have to acknowledge the like little creepy, like Gollum in the corner. Like that's not God. That's the hater of your soul. And you just have to look at him and go like, you're not in control of me. And so go for it and find people that you can dream with, like find people that are crazy and wild and are willing to go on this journey, you know, with you and remind you of who you are and whose you are.
1: Amen, amen. Well, I would love to close this out by praying yeah, for you because I feel like um, God was talking to me as you were talking a bit, and I think ending in prayer would be awesome. But where can people find you? If you, how, yeah, how does anyone get a hold of you? What does that? Yeah, like?
0: absolutely. So you can go to um, bellavita.network.org. Um, and my information's on there. And then I hang out Perfect. on, um, Facebook and Instagram. Um, Instagram is Savannah life speaker. Um, and then just Savannah Martin, um, M-A-R-T-E-N on Facebook would love, 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 love to hang out with people. So thanks for having me. Thank this was such so a joy. Much.
1: This was wonderful. And I will put all of your, um, your information in our show notes. So people can just click there and get your Your website. So, all right, let's end in prayer and then we'll close out. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this conversation. And I thank you for this woman of God. And I just pray right now that you will bless her hand and that you will speak through her God, that wherever she goes for the things that they need in this season for, um, for her ministry. And I just ask God that, your hand will just be upon the people that she speaks to, that when she steps into a room, your angels will surround her, that favor will be upon her, God. But she will just be able in years to come to give strategy to other pregnancy resource centers and other businesses that may not even be in this realm, but other businesses even, I see, mm-hmm. that she can share the things that you've done, the strategies that you gave her and the methods that were used, Lord, that it almost will be a guide book for other businesses, Lord. So I just pray God that as she listens and stewards what you've given her, I just pray a blessing over her God. And I pray also for her, for her uh, marriage. I just pray for, um, just the love and the, um, I just keep hearing compassion Mm -hmm. just for the compassion, Lord, to just fill her home. God, And I just thank you so much that you have put people in her life to pray over her, God. I pray that you bring more people that can just cover her in prayer, Lord. And I just thank you for everything that you've placed in her, God. And I just pray, I just um, see that she has a heart of a mother, God. And I thank you, God, that you've just gifted her with that. And I just pray, Lord, for the lives that she um, is reaching and that you will just show her the expansion of her reach, Lord, that... um, any doubt that she has will just be taken and thrown away, God. And she can just see that everything she has touched has just been because of you and because of the things you have gifted her with. And I just thank you so much for her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I receive it. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Savannah. And I I feel like I need to have you back because I have so much more (laughs) to talk about. Anytime. thank Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the prophetic justice podcast. Before you go show some love by leaving a review, subscribing to the show and sharing this episode with a friend. You can connect with me on IG at prophetic justice podcast, or by email at prophetic justice podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out the show notes.